Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I'm your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Piteri Kopanen <laughs> to my Ricky Sanchez, to my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? I don't even know who that is. And <laughs> Mavericks own his rights, man. Come on. What's your, what are you doing? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I don't... <laughs> okay. I know who Ricky Sanchez is, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never heard that other yeah. one. So, okay. Many people would know Ricky Sanchez or yeah. at least know the name Ricky Sanchez. Uh, Pateri Kopanen is a, is, is probably the best finished basketball player of the last 30 years. He's never really come over to the NBA. So, um, but he's always, he's always one of those. If I remember correctly, he was a first round pick, like the last pick of the first round and has been traded a few times. And has yeah, only you him. would know that because yeah. yeah, good grief. <laughs> uh he had a cool nickname i need to i'll have to look that up like it was some you know like the finnish assassin you know or something <laughs> like that um if i remember so um uh, we are talking about the nba draft that'll be the bulk of our our episode today we are recording on wednesday morning the draft is in uh under 36 hours at this point um big time for us big time for me and then i sort of rope you into it because i love the draft uh, and it'll be interesting. This is a tough year for you, and I think for, for some of our friends, because the Mavs do not have a pick, um, and I don't doesn't sound like they're super interested in trying to get a pick, which yeah. I, I kind of understand. But uh, See, and the thing is, I'm like you in the draft with the lottery guys. Basically, sure. once it gets past the lottery, I'm like, I don't care. Unless it's like a college guy that I've liked watching and yeah. you know stuff like that. But Right. Well, I think that's a normal way to handle things. Um, you probably have a healthier reputa- or relationship with the draft than I do. I am more, I was talking to everybody, uh, Danny, about this the other day, and he's, he's kind of in the same mindset. It's like, I think, th- I've had a hard time with this draft. I don't, really, I don't really like this draft very much. And part of it is because I think my like, favorite thing about the draft beyond whatever the Mavs potentially are doing is trying to find guys who are lower on the consensus draft boards than I think they should be. And like, Oh, I can't actually like this guy. And here's what, you know, that kind of stuff. And there's not a lot of that this year. So it's kind of a tough, it's a tough, uh, group. the tiers on this draft to me are like, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between pick nine and pick 20. And I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between pick, I don't know, let's say 25 and pick 40, you know, it's yeah. just, Eh, there's just okay that's fine there's just a lot of there's a lot of interesting guys so we'll we're gonna hit on some names we've uh over the last couple of weeks we we did an episode talking about the the top four the the Cade Cunningham uh Jalen Green Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley's uh and then last week our kind of bonus draft episode we talked about Scotty Barnes Jonathan Kaminga James Booknight, uh, who else so when Usman Garuba and am I forgetting somebody else uh Davion Mitchell oh Davion Mitchell okay Today, um, for the, the bulk of this, will be a little bit more quick hit, I would say. Um, we're going to touch on as many names as we can in the allotted time that we have. So um, it'll, be, it'll be pretty quick. Tobin's going to start the clock and keep us moving fast, and uh, I think that'll, that'll be good. That may, that, maybe that way we can get through several names. We'll do some spoil, or, uh, sleepers for uh, later in the draft, first, later first round, early second, that kind of guy. And, uh, and see what we come up with. Um, and then uh, tomorrow, after the draft, we will, after the draft is over, we will have a, a full-on uh, draft episode uh, recapping that and, and going through what we liked, what we didn't like, that kind of stuff as well. So tons of good stuff to get into with the draft, Tobin. Um, also, just as a heads-up, we are recording at a different time of day than we normally do. 
because of our strange work schedules this week. And there is a marching band practicing. <laughs> Literally, twenty feet. A marching band. Yes. For, like I, they woke me up the last couple of days, which is you know whatever. I'm used to it, but yeah, it was. I, I we we don't ever record during the day, and so like I'm hearing new noises I don't usually hear. <laughs> yeah, that may be more the norm than not. Um, over the, the, the coming weeks because of, of your your new job situation. So we may be recording during the day sometimes, yeah. which would be cool. Um, but but we'll maybe have to plan it around Richland High School's <laughs> paid practice. We'll see, too. All right, before we go full draft stuff, though, we got to talk about a trade. We had a trade, Tobin. Um, maybe the first of many. I, I don't know. It, it feels like there's a lot of smoke this year. So we'll we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. But we did have a the first trade of the of the draft week between the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans. This was interesting. I think you were following kind of the, some of the same people I was that it it was apparent with for the last like five days that there was going to be a trade between the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, but I don't think that anyone had kind of the real specifics of what that was going to look yeah. like. Because to me, this is kind of an odd trade. Uh, in fact, the ringer today ran an article that the, the title of it is did anyone win the Pelicans Grizzlies <laughs> trade? So, and that's kind of where I'm at with this. But the the trade is Memphis is sending Jonas Valanciunas and the numbers 17 and 51 picks to New Orleans for Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, and numbers 10 and 40 in this draft, as well as a 2022 first round pick from the Lakers. So, a little we're we're exchanging centers and we are also giving you a bad contract in Eric Bledsoe in exchange for uh an extra pick being handed over. So what's your initial thoughts on this and then we'll, we'll I don't know we'll, we'll kind of talk about how this relates to the draft I guess. I will say my initial thoughts were maybe Bledsoe can kind of help shoulder some of the guard scoring load from Ja which you know maybe <laughs> I like, but I just like it doesn't really do a whole lot for me in, in any respects other than it's just maybe a scenery change for others. Um, I don't understand why um, they're trying to get to 10 is what I was. That's what I was trying to figure out in my head was like, what, who is that? Who is that 10 that you think is going to be sure. helpful? Because you just traded the the career leader in rebounds in the play in tournament for the number 10 pick. But <laughs> that's a fast break breakfast joke, by the way, I'm going to give them credit. They, they tweeted out like, you know, pretty sad to lose the career leader in rebounds at the, at the play in tournament. <laughs> so, you know, but I, you know, it's, I, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me, like either way, quite honestly, like I just, but yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe like maybe Adams there is a, you know, does something more for them than Jonas was doing. But like, I thought Jonas was doing okay. You know, like, yeah, I, I think it's a, I mean, I love Steven Adams. He's one of my favorite players and people in the league. Um, but he, it's, it's pretty apparent that the league has, has passed him by. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it's, you're just really limited on what you can expect to get out of him, unfortunately, uh, because he's, a, he's a really good dude and seems like a great teammate and all those things. Memphis was getting something out of Jonas Valanciunas. That guy, mm-hmm. I mean, is a an actual monster down low. I mean, Stephen Adams can score on you from from the post. He's got that mm-hmm. nice little baby hook and stuff, but it's not it's not like Jonas. And well, and that's the thing is like, is he going to be better for Jaws pick and roll game than Jonas? Like, and that's the question I don't really know how to answer because I I don't you yeah, know I don't watch I, enough of either one of them to really and you're much better at that I, stuff than I am, but. Well, I mean, I would say that he is. He's a better. He is a better screen. I mean, Stephen Adams is one of the best screeners in the league. 
he's just not an elite role man yeah. at this point because what you know you no no de- no defense is scared of what you're going to get from him if you dump it off to him. So it's kind of you're changing the the system a little bit. I, I guess if you're going to play Adams, you can use him more in the pick and roll than you did with with Valanciunas. I don't know. I mean, surely so maybe somebody who watches a ton of Grizzlies games is saying no, they run. They run pick and roll all the time with Jonas. I don't know. But Adams is definitely a better mm-hmm. screener than Jonas is. But I do think that when your team is so, de- I don't know, deficient in outside shooting, which the Grizzlies are and they have been forever, it feels like, um, there is some positive that comes from having a guy on the block that you have to actually respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you do have to respect Jonas. You don't really – I don't think many teams are going to be super scared about Adams. So, and Adams's contract is because for some reason I want to I mean I want to talk about the Pelicans in a second, but he's he's got 2 years on his contract of 18 million dollars left. I mean, that's a tough it's a tough thing. What we had heard draft-wise, <coughs> the the two names that are out there um that that are rising on boards and that apparently multiple teams are kind of competing to try to see if they can get ahead to draft these guys. I don't totally understand this, but this is what the names that I, that we've heard is Franz Wagner is is just climbing the boards. Um, I assume we'll touch on him in a little bit here. Mm-hmm. I'll give a slight spoiler. I don't super get it. I don't really understand um, why he's a hot name at the moment, but he is. And the other is Josh Giddy, the uh, the point guard mm-hmm. from from Australia. I don't and feel that well. was the name that's yeah, that's the name that's associated with the Grizzlies. And again, he's somebody that I like, but I don't, I do not understand the really fit. that fit yeah. with with the Grizzlies. So it's it's kind of this is a strange. Yeah, why strange are you going to add a playmaking me. point guard next to another play? Anyway, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second. But like, yeah. the only thing I could think exactly. of whenever I was thinking of like, why do you need to go from seventeen ten that bad? Was yeah, it's like okay, like are they are, you know if you and you're right, they need perimeter scoring. So the first thing I looked at was okay, who are the perimeter scorers from that mm-hmm. seven to eleven range? And like, Franz Wagner was one of the big ones that came up and that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I, I'm, I'm wondering if Moses Moody is the name, if maybe he, they thought originally he was going to slide to 17 cause he's another one that's, that was climbing the board. Um, mm-hmm. but also, you know, we're better GMs than most NBA gyms at least. So who knows? <laughs> like maybe they are going to take the Grizzlies are really good at drafting. They are. Um, yeah. And so that, I mean, that, that's, that gives you, I mean, some, they must really believe that whoever they're trading up to get at 10 isn't going to be there at 17 and that he's actually, he's legitimately going to make a difference for them because they, they rarely screw this up mm-hmm. on, on draft night, um, in this era anyway. Well, and, and, and you have to so wonder too, cause like what, what my fear is and these are all names we're going to talk about is that they're trading up to get, uh, Cameron Thomas. And I mm. think he could possibly be available at 17, but you know, I, I really, yeah. so I don't know. Like I, I just, it's one of those trades where it's like, I, I don't think it really hurts or helps. Like again, right. like the ringer said, like who want, does it matter who want it? Right. It's who want it. Like, I, I don't think it's that big. I, I do think having Bledsoe there is probably better for your offense than having Jonas there, you know? Cause if, if, if you can get Bledsoe to be a second guard, I mean, like, listen, I'm not a huge Bledsoe yeah. fan, but like, you know, whenever Drew was suffering in the playoffs before he, went went crazy everybody was comparing his numbers with Bledsoe's numbers the year before and they were pretty close and so yeah I yeah I I I don't see I think I think there's a pretty good chance that Eric, I don't they know could, what and they could turn out they, but they could turn around and trade the contract too that's the thing you know yeah I just I think I think that this is two years in a row that you're 
that teams are that a team is basically having to give a first round pick to get off of Eric Bledsoe's contract, and I think that that's that's probably for a reason. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I I yeah, maybe he can he can add a little bit of something just as a an off the bench uh, ball handler and whatnot. It's just but uh, you also don't, don't want him to block Bane either, and that's you know yeah that's yeah, and his contract's even worse than Adams. I mean, he's he's got oh, yeah. he's eighteen million this year and nineteen million the next year. I mean, it's. Oof. Um, Again, I I, I just think at worst is you got a better draft. Like, I think Memphis in my head won the trade because you got a better draft pick. You got a you got a center that can kind of do the same thing Jonas was doing, maybe a little less in the offensive end, but he'll be better on defensive and and better in the pick game. And you got a player that could either be a helpful scorer off the bench or they could choose him for trade bait right. later, you know? So like, yeah. I, I think Memphis won it. I just don't think, I don't think this like when I saw the trade, I was like, why was this done? Like, you know, like what, what was the well, point of this? Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> the, 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 the flip side of that is the Pelicans where it's like, I think our, our buddy Brad said this, maybe I'm butchering his quote, but I, 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 I kind of appreciated what he said. He was like, I don't, I think the trade is fine for the Pelicans. It's just the context of the trade is terrible because Again, there's no reason why you should give Steve. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they traded for Steven Adams in the first place. Yeah. It made no sense to put him next to Zion. But if you're going to do that, mm-hmm. let's see if it works before we hand out a freaking four-year extension. Yeah. Um, this is, I mean, they're, they're, they're having to trade. They're, they're having to drop seven spots and trade uh, an extra asset, which they probably need next year to get off of a contract that they didn't have to give. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know, just, gosh. It, the, the Bledsoe thing is one thing because it's like you had to have that contract to to make the holiday trade work, just, you know, salary cap-wise. You didn't – no one had – no one thought that you that it was a good idea for you to give a four-year extension yeah. to, to Steven Adams. That's just mind-boggling to me. I, I – I'm not even sure that Thunder would have given him a four-year extension. <laughs> no, they for sure wouldn't. No, for sure. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It was really funny, too. I think even Woj tweeted that that the the uh, Pelicans like what, what Jonas can bring to the, the table uh, as more of a, <laughs> as a floor spacer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, have you, have you seen Jonas play? He's not a floor spacer. That's, he took 87 threes yeah. last year. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's more than Steven Adams, but like, you are more of a floor spacer than Steven Adams. So that has to be, to me, that's their nice way of saying we did this to get off those contracts. I think is what the nice way of saying that for sure. And I wish that I just wish, I don't know. Woe shouldn't run with that. You know, sure. that, that was the same thing when, when the Mavs made their trade last year, when they brought in JJ Redick and, and Melly. And I think our, I think it was, I think it was Townsend, our beat reporter who I like was like, it may not have been him. Maybe I shouldn't throw his name. But the respected NBA people were like, and the Mavs get two shooters. And I was like, he's shooting 18%. He's not a shooter. Like, he's just tall and white. That doesn't mean that he's a shooter. Like, what are we? It's kind of the same thing. It's like, don't 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 talk about how Jonas is a, is a big floor spacer. That dude's not a shooter. So, yeah. I don't know. The, the Pels are up against it. And we, we will talk about more. They did hire uh, Willie Green as their head coach, which we talked about a tiny bit um, last week. And, and I think that could be a really good hire for them. But they're they're in a bad spot, and they're in a bad spot because David Griffin has mismanaged how he's tried to build that team multiple times at this point. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. And then now they got to, you know, Jackson Hayes this morning is uh, 
was arrested for assaulting a police officer mm-hmm. who was responding to a domestic call. So, I, I mean, you know, we don't know the, the, the facts of that case, but it doesn't sound super great for him and his future with, with the Pelicans. So, I, I mean, boy. They, if and when Zion leaves, I feel like right now we ought to just be putting it out there. When, if and when Zion leaves, he, he's in the right. To leave, they have done yeah. a terrible job. Which is now the second superstar they've done this to in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That that franchise uh, probably should just go ahead and relocate to Seattle. I mean, it's it's things are, I don't know, things are not not great there. Not great. Um, all right, that's the only big movement we've had so far uh, before the draft. It it, my guess is that the next twenty four hours or so are going to be quiet from actual movement standpoint. Yeah. Since uh, we're recording okay. this during the day, I will probably make an effort to release this like two hours later. So we don't, you know, we don't miss anything because <laughs> it's like, it could yeah. get wild here in yeah. the next couple of days. So for sure. I mean, I would guess that there's not going to be many actual moves that are made in the next 24 hours. It'll be that like two hours before the draft period mm-hmm. when things start to get crazy. But I, I mean, there's so much smoke this year and I, I don't know. We, we, we overtalk the not us. I mean, just in general, uh, we overtalk the 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 rumors and the potential trades and stuff that get thrown out there, um, and then ultimately, not a whole lot happens most of the time. I I kind of get the impression this year is is a little bit different. There's a lot of teams that are trying to make a move. There's a lot of teams with extra draft capital, um, and then I think. One of the other things, Tobin, is like there's not a uh, there's I mean, there's not a a Goliath in terms of a team like Milwaukee just won the championship. I don't get the sense that every team is like, well, crap, we can't win for the next three years. You know, Mm -hmm. the the Nets have their big three, but it there's questions about those three guys and how they you know are going to from a health standpoint, all the Lakers seem vulnerable I think that that helps with or that adds to more player movement and, and big moves and, and teams taking big swings on stuff because they feel like, well, well and that's what happened when the Warriors went went down with injuries a couple years ago, too. Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah. So there could be a lot going on. We'll we'll, we'll see. And a, and a bunch of it is draft related because the Warriors have two mm-hmm. lottery picks because the Thunder have three picks in the top 18 and a million other picks to hand out because Bradley Beal might today say, you know what, I do want out and I need to be traded mm-hmm. immediately. Um, it's there's there's just a lot. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces. I think there will def. I actually believe there will be some legitimate moves made over the next few days, not just draft related. Yeah. So and then free agency starts in like three days. So it's uh, <laughs> this is a wild week uh, for for us and for for NBA talk. But let's get into the draft. Let's uh, let's pick a few guys and and. Use sort of the the strengths weaknesses kind of thing where we see them going all that good stuff and and then we'll hit some sleepers yeah. down the stretch of this. So you know, in true us fashion, we we're gonna try to keep this shorter than pos- possible. But we just spent fifteen minutes talking about a dumb trade. So um, what we're gonna <laughs> do is we're gonna I have a list of names and I've done a little bit of re- I, basically I was telling you before we started like I kind of get to the, like the end of the lottery and then that's when I kind of lose interest in in scouting. So. You are the one that has more of the the deep dive stuff. So some of these will be low lottery, um, l- late first round, depending on where they fall. But I'm just going to go through a list of names and let's try to like for real, like, you know, for, for realsies this time. Let's like do 
Um, you're, you know, a couple of positive things, a couple of negative things and your comps, and then let's just move on. And, you know, unless there's something glaring that we need to argue about or whatever, but, um, I'm going to kind of let you lead that and I'll interject as possible, but yeah. And then like, we'll, we'll just try to do a couple. So I want to get to as many people as possible since this is going to be our last draft episode. So, uh, we already talked about him a little bit and he is rising up the boards and I want to start with Josh Giddy. He is the six, eight, six, eight guard. 18-year-old from Australia. I don't that's not an Australian accident. Um anyway, um <laughs> what are two uh yeah, it's it's def- definitely earlier than usual. You're going to have to bleep um, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what are some give me two positives or give me a couple positives and a couple of negatives and then, you know, comparisons and stuff like that with with him. What do you think? Might be the best passer in the draft. Um he has like elite elite vision and he is he he wants to use that mm-hmm. like he he wants to make those passes and and lead you to open spots and i mean he sees the whole floor that six eight thing is a big obviously is a huge advantage as a point guard great handle on that side of things and he's going to i mean worst case scenario he will come off the bench and he will dominate pick and roll um and at least in terms of like managing the game and getting guys open and all that kind of stuff for for eight minute stretches, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I think that's kind of like the worst, the worst case scenario for him. the The downside is uh, is he can't shoot at all. Um, he shot, I think, twenty nine percent from three last year. But and when you go and you watch the shots, there's some guys we may talk about a couple of them in this this uh, episode where you're like, yeah, they shot poorly, but I I think they'll be better. You know, J- James Booknight is one of those guys. He like, mm-hmm. I think he shot twenty seven percent last year, and you're like. Every scout keeps saying, eh, he's a better shooter than that. It'll be fine. I don't think anybody is saying uh, Josh Giddy is a much better shooter than, than his 29% mm-hmm. showed. He's just, he doesn't have much touch on that side of things at all. And he looks comfortable out to about 15 feet, I would say. And then okay. beyond that, it's, oof, it gets pretty, yeah. it gets pretty dicey. And, and he's just, uh, he's very, he's very limited athletically. He's, he's going to be a target defensively. He's not going to help you much on that end of the floor. He doesn't really have, like, pop with it. Um, he'll get some Luka comparisons just because of the way his his game flows, and I, I think that, that that's fair. Um, but, again, it's like we we people really underestimated what an elite athlete Luka was just because he's not a guy who's jumping and dunking on people's heads and stuff. It's It's – the body angles, it's the body control, things like that. That Josh Giddy at this point, I don't, I don't think has. So. Okay, so then why do you think he's jumping up the boards real quick? If, if because like, because like, okay, I see a lot of good in him too, but like what I what I wrote down is shifty Ben Simmons is what I wrote down. Like because he he kind of okay. slips under screens a lot more. Yeah. He's not as like he's not as much of a put your head down and plow through people because he's not he's not as strong. Right. But right. like, I mean, I mean it in a positive way. Like he really does. He is shifty. But again, like you look at his shooting and it's like, you're right. Outside of the paint and outside of like a yeah. mid range, he doesn't really have a whole lot. So why do you think yeah, he I, shifts? I, I, like, like sure. why do you think he's skyrocketing up boards? Because he is. I mean, yeah, totally. I, uh, tall Ricky Rubio is what I okay. what I say. That's that's probably my favorite comp on him. Because he also like you remember how Ricky Rubio was, especially when he first came in. Like he legit did not want to yes. shoot the ball ever, and that I mean that's that's his thing. It's like you get the impression that he'd be thrilled 
to leave the game with zero points and zero shots if he had 12 assists. Yeah. And felt like he managed it well, that kind of thing. Um, I just think, I think teams, and I agree with this. I mean, we, we saw the importance of it in the playoffs, maybe more than ever, of needing multiple ball handlers and guys who can, who can break down a defense and create their own shot and or get a shot to, uh, to teammates, get open shots for teammates. It makes a huge mm-hmm. difference because, because more and more teams are, have a ball-dominant guard and other teams are ca- countering that with you know blitzes and traps and doubles and all this kind of stuff. And you need guys that can break down the defense on a you know a three on three or a four on three kind of situation. So I think that that helps. I mean, you see the passing stuff. Yeah, it's pretty it's great. great. Yeah. It's, it's really impressive. <clears throat> I just, for him to, to, for him to reach his full potential as like a, a, a lead ball handler, you kind of have to have at least three other legitimate scoring threats on, on, and I mean, shooting threats on the floor. Like, if you put him in a situation with three guys who can shoot the ball and a a really good role man, he could probably succeed in hey, that. Hey, so setting. Memphis, don't draft that. Well, that's the thing yeah. to me. It's like, I, yeah, I don't really. Here's what I think on a lot of these guys. This is this is going to be a, a common refrain for me because I don't see much difference between, like I said, I think probably the eighth guy on the board and the whatever, 20th guy on the board. This is not a draft where I would pretty much ever look to, to trade up. Like, I just don't. If Josh Giddy is a guy that you really want, if he's there at 17, let's say, or 15 or whatever, like, cool, awesome. I just wouldn't be moving up to sure. try to get him. Yeah, like if he falls to you, great. Went, you know, yes. take it. Yes. But, yeah. I could maybe... Mo- Moses Moody's the only one who is in that, like, 7 to 12 conversation mm-hmm. that I think might be... Okay, I he might be worth trading up for. Um, but some of these others, it's just not me. I, I really like Josh Giddy. I, I, I have him, like, I don't know, somewhere in that 12 to 15 range on my on my board, I think he can be a successful NBA player and a lot of fun. He'll be a lot of fun to play with. Mm-hmm. It's just, I have a hard time seeing like all-star potential at all to me. So. All right. Well, let's segue to Moses Moody. He was another one on my list today. Moses Moody is a six, four and a half, uh, 19 year old freshman from Arkansas. He averaged 17.4 points, shot 38% from three, shows 82% from free throws. And, that's man i forgot how awesome like the 94 arkansas throwbacks are those look so, yeah. i'm sorry that's a total side totally. i loved 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 those those nolan richardson teams when i was growing up so <laughs> anyway uh give me a couple of uh positives and a couple of negatives about moses and let's talk about some comps i love moses moody i i think i at the moment you had him you had him like board. sorry i'm interrupting yeah. but no you're good i'll probably lock my board tonight not that anyone cares about my board specifically, but I have him seven. Yeah, I was about to say you had him seven when I saw it last. So yeah, and I could I could move him up a spot. I I I just love what he brings to the table. I understand why James Booknight is going to go ahead of Moses Moody. I think Booknight's for sure off the board by eight, and Moody I think probably more starts in that seven to eight range as far as like the the highest he could go. So I understand why people like Booknight more. Uh, than Moody, I, I'm I'm on the other side of that. I just I think that there's a much greater chance that he that he takes to a role 
Whereas to me, like Book Knight, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week. Book Knight to me feels like a guy that's like he could be the second best scorer on a good team and like really pop mm-hmm. that way. Or he could be a guy that takes 14, 15 shots a game off the bench and just annoys the crap out of the fan base and his teammates and all this other stuff because he just doesn't doesn't do he doesn't do winning basketball mm-hmm. stuff. I think I guess what I'm trying to say is I think Moody definitely has less of scoring potential than somebody like Book Knight um, or Cam Thomas or maybe even Davion Mitchell, but I do think he can play a role immediately, and I think that role is as valuable as it gets in the NBA right now. Like he's a legit. He shot he he shot 36 percent from three. I think that that is the the floor of what he will shoot in the NBA. I think he's a better he's a much better shooter than than that uh, than that shows, and I think he'll shoot at a, at a a higher volume too. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a guy who just who is able to get to his spots and take a lot of threes, and and he'll be very successful at that. His wingspan's like seven foot. Um, he. You you listen to like what six four and a half? I'd seen it like more like six six. It does whatever it is. He he plays and looks so much bigger on the court than whatever his height mm-hmm. is. I think I put in my notes like he he looks like a six ten guy, not a not a six five six six guy. Um, plays really big. Part of that's the wingspan. Comes off screens really well, so I think he'll be a really good move. He can be a very good movement shooter. Um, he also took like six free throw attempts and he's really solid on defense. He's mm-hmm. not going to be like Kawhi or something, but uh, opponents last year, 32% against him. That's like borderline elite. He competes. He's, he gets good positioning. I mean, he just does a lot of the stuff. Like he is a very modern three and D player. Mm-hmm. And then he shows a little burst um, where he can actually, he can do something with the ball a little bit. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely the the lesser of his his skill set compared to his his shooting and his defense, mm-hmm. but it's not like um, at least to me he doesn't look like Cam Thomas or excuse me Cam Johnson where I mean we saw in that final series where it's like he's open oh he's not open they closed out what does he do he doesn't do anything he can't he can't mm-hmm. he can't uh, go to, at somebody off the dribble that kind of stuff I think he can do more than that and that to me is is. It's super valuable. I think he's so. the perfect version of like what you need as an NBA utility knife right now. Like, like he sure. he does a yeah. little bit of everything pretty well. Like, like this this isn't necessarily a, gr- a perfect comp, but like when I watched him on tape, he reminded me very much of like what we feel like Dorian Finney Smith should be when he's hitting all of his things. Yeah, sure. Like, which sure. is a three and D wing, you know. And yeah. so like, but he does everything even better. Like, so like I feel like if at worst. He's going to be like a six, seven man that, you know, the fans love because he does all the dirty stuff and knocks down shots, you know? Yeah. And sure. if you get that at worst, it's great. I, I think he like, like like you were hinting at a second ago, if he is still there at 10, 11, like that's when I if I'm, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, that, that's right. whenever I'm like, yeah. OK, how can we get up and get that player? Because for sure, I, I for feel sure. like he's not going to be. But, you know, who knows? I mean, we don't, it's, it's crazy. But right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, who's your comp real quick before we move on? Like, who, who do you think he reminds you of? I think he has a little bit of Buddy Heald, but he's way more competitive than Buddy Heald is, obviously, especially defensively. Again, he's not the same size, so this is a tough comp, I guess. But he he reminds me a little bit, especially on offense. He reminds me of Richard Lewis. He's got that 
really smooth, high release, and doesn't need a lot of space to get it off because of his length. And I, I really like him. But, you know, you could you could compare him to a poor man's Mikhail Bridges mm-hmm. probably, too, like that kind of stuff. It's it's Again, he's not going to be an all-star, I think. I'm pretty, pretty sure about that. But I also think he's going to be very, very good for a decade and, and in a position that, like, every team needs four of these guys. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, I see I see a lot of value there. All right. Uh, we already mentioned this name, but he's another person that's flying up some boards. Uh, let's talk about Franz Wagner. He is 6'9", sophomore from Michigan, uh, 220 pounds. He, is average, he averaged 12.8 points, 39% from three, and um, he's a forward, listed as a forward. What do you see in Franz Wagner? I just don't really get it. I don't know. I... <laughs> This is an odd one to me. Like, he just... I see... I see the value. He shot 34% from three, by the way, not 39%. Um, that's what it I, says on on the KOC, but that's... Yeah, you're probably right. Oh, okay. Well, on another... It, maybe I need to go look. Um, I just... Wagner, to me, is, like, kind of the... Even more so version of what I said about uh, Giddy, where it's like, if I was drafting 10 to 14, and I felt like this guy, the Kings are a great example of this. The Kings need just quality play. You know, Mm -hmm. they need wings more than anything. That's why I would draft, if I was, if Moses Moody was there, I would draft him over Wagner, because they just need, they need wings. And Wagner kind of is a wing, but he's also kind of like he's a bigger wing. So he's he's more to me, he's more of a power forward defender than a small forward. And, you know, he'll be able to switch on to some of those things. I just. He's like a he's just a, he's a glue guy and that's super cool. Like I'm you need lots of glue guys on your team. It's very odd to me that a guy of his skill set who's not great at anything and is, I think is like only, you know, pretty good at, at most things. Um, it's very odd to me that, that teams seem to have him like five or six on their board. I don't really, I don't super understand it. He just, to me is the guy that like, if you, if you're at the number 12 and he's still there and you're like, okay, cool. We drafted Franz Wagner. All right, sweet. He's going to be in the NBA for a decade. Cool. All right. Good deal. Moving on. You know, I would, the concept of we got to get ahead of this team so that we can we can draft Wagner, I do not understand. And he is very high on some people's big boards. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, Kevin O'Connor loves him. And I just, I don't really, I don't necessarily understand it, I guess. I, to me, with, with him, is, like, I feel like he can do a lot of things well. Um, he's going to be a defensive impact. He's going to be able to knock down some open shots. The thing that he does very poorly that I'm worried about when he transitions to NBA is he doesn't create very well. And when he yeah, gets, himself, yeah, yeah, whenever exactly he's, he doesn't create for himself very well. And so whenever he has is getting smothered on defense, how is he going to react to that? Is it going to be put the ball on the floor and then immediately lose it? Or is it going to be forced up a shot or is he, yeah. gonna, cause like, that's the thing is like those, like, Everybody has said, like everything I've read and everything I've seen, you know, this is an original thought, is that, hey, he does these things well, but he doesn't do shot creation. He doesn't do ball handling, which is like, you know, like, okay, well, then what happens whenever, you know, I don't know, like OG 
cr- you know closes on him whenever he gets the ball on the wing. Right. Like, is he gonna freak out? Is he gonna you yeah. know? So that's that's yeah. what the what makes it like. That's that's why like again like to your point, if you get him at twelve, okay, cool, you know. But if you like are trading right. up to get him at five, six, seven, like what what do you see that's going to make him? you know, trans, you know, transcend your team, I guess. Right. It's just the thing that's weird to me is like, there are, there are several guys in that, that are in this range or, or should be in this range. And by range, I mean like the, the 10, you know, Mm -hmm. the 10 to 14 range back the, the end of the lottery who, I mean, I'll give you an example, Trey Murphy, who I'm really high on. I have him like, I don't know, 12 on my board, something like that. Which is a little higher than other people, but I've I've it, that's not like it's not crazy, you know. It's not it's not like I'm I'm taking a, a late second rounder and, and and dropping him at the top of the board. I I look at Trey Murphy and I'm like, the knock on him is that sort of like Cam Johnson, who I just mentioned, he can't really he doesn't really do anything off the dribble. He doesn't get much going. Uh, doesn't create shots for himself. Doesn't not a great playmaker. All this sort of stuff. But I know that Trey Murphy is going to be a I mean, I think from day one, I feel pretty confident saying he's a he's a knockdown shooter, and he's a super competitive, positive, on ball defender at the three and D. Like he's a true three and D guy. That's a very valuable thing in the NBA. Um, and and okay, so what if he's not going to do these other things because he's going to be very good at, at this stuff? When I look at that and I see he if 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 I'm a team and Trey Murphy's still on the board, I just personally don't really understand drafting Wagner over him because it's like he's a significantly worse shooter. He is 34%, by the way, not 39%. So the ringers got that wrong. Um, he's a 34% three point shooter on not a super high volume. He's not, he's a, he's going to be a good team defender, but I don't feel super confident in putting him up against high quality wings and being like, cool, we got it. You know, I think he's just more of a guy that, He's the, the switchability is is nice. That that adds a lot of, of value. And maybe teams see that as more valuable than what uh, I don't know, somebody like Murphy or, or Duarte can do, but it just doesn't I guess it's just maybe it's personal preference, but that's not how I would I would do that. I mean, he moves the ball well. That might be his best skill to me, is like his switchability and his he moves the ball well. Like you you, you see uh, guard, you know, drops it over to the wing to him, and he immediately moves the ball to somebody else, uh, and and finds people who are open. Like those, those are quality things. But that's a glue guy, and if I'm gonna get a glue guy, then I want to get a glue guy at ten to fifteen, mm-hmm. much more so than seven. Yeah. Or you know, especially if some of these other guys are are on the board. It's just a, I don't know. It's very odd to me that he has risen the way that he has risen, mm-hmm. and. and, and Maybe I'm just not seeing it, and I'm I'm wrong. I, I, you know, yeah, that, that happens plenty of times, but it's just it's just odd to me. Yeah. All right. Um, let's speed it up a little bit as we get. Uh, let's see. A guy who is f- falling. He's doing the opposite. Is Keon Johnson? He's a freshman mm. from Tennessee. They got him listed at six three and a half, 185 pounds. Uh, he is falling in almost every mock I've read and yeah, he, he same. was pretty high for a while. I, I think at one point KOC had him in the top 10. So, mm-hmm. um, what are some pluses, negatives, and then quickly, why do you think he's following, sure. falling, falling on draft boards? <laughs> he's a freak athlete. I think he, I mean, he set the record for standing vertical at the combine. I think it was 48 and a half inches 
it's that was unreal by the way like that i <laughs> yeah. like you sent me that video and i was like okay <laughs> who's the al davis version of vertical in the nba because yeah. they're about yeah, to take it's him me. it's me i love yeah <laughs> i love that yeah I don't care about workout videos at all. I talked about Ryan. Uh, I talked about this with Ryan on on Daily Thunder a couple weeks ago. Like he's a big workout video guy. I don't give a rip about workout videos. But if you show me he jumped, he jumped forty eight inches at the combine, okay, now we're talking. <laughs> um, that's that's m- much more of my jam. Uh, yeah, he's. I mean, he's just a freak athlete. He <clears throat> is a immediate impact on ball defender especially on point guards, like at the point of attack, he's going to be after you. Um, uh, whoever your whoever your ball hand, if you're Damian Lillard, you know, cool, you're going to get to meet this guy tonight. And it's, you may, you may win that you're going to win this because you're Damian Lillard, but it's not going to be fun for you. He's going to make your life very hard. He gets over screens really well, gets super skinny there. Um, and he's, yeah, he's just, he is a, wherever he goes, he is going to have multiple I mean, nobody watches Sports Center anymore. I, n- I understand that, but like, he's going to have multiple top ten plays this season because he just does crazy highlight real stuff a lot. Um, and and it's really he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I've kind of ridden the roller coaster with this guy too because it's like the positives are so cool mm-hmm. and so you know, valuable, and then you watch the negatives and it's like he can't shoot at all. He's 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 really comfortable. 15, 18 feet, but just that extra step out yeah. to the three-point line, and then, you know, we're talking extra two steps out to the NBA three-point line, he it, he completely loses his his form and his mechanics and the, and the whole nine yards. I'm, I think I'm, especially the way that he's he's dropping now, I think I'm, I'm higher on him than, than most in that, some guys I don't think are ever going to learn how to shoot. Josh Giddy's one of those where I'm like, I'm not super, I don't know that he's going to get that part of it. See, the thing, Johnson his his me, form looks better than, yeah. so like, yeah. you feel like maybe well, you can figure that out, so. And he's, he's like a really good shooter off of movement if it's 15 feet. Like, he comes off screens and caches uh, jumpers at, like, free throw line extended or right at the top of the key, that kind of stuff, pretty, pretty easily, and... So that to me that shows that like he has some touch. We just got to figure out how to get his his body squared a little bit and and the follow through a little bit better on the outside shot. I don't ever believe he's going to be a great shooter, but I don't think it's it's totally crazy to suggest that he's going to be a league average shooter. And if he becomes a league average shooter, then all these other tools are going to make him super super valuable. On a, on a team. Yeah. I just, he's so like, he is so wild. Like everything, everything yes, he does sure. is just yeah. like, like he, he, you're right. The, the positives are awesome, but whatever mm-hmm. the positives don't like come to fruition, like it, it feels like anytime he's around the basket, he's just like, I'm going to throw it and see what happens. You know, it's yeah, just, so it's just, sure. you know, sure, yeah. so like that yeah. kind of stuff I feel like can be coached out, but it also is incredibly concerning of, he kind of he he kind of looks like an uncoached high school player that just never yeah. quite got coached sure. properly, yeah. you know. He, and so he has big Leroy Jenkins, in yeah, just yeah, all the time. Which again, he just can be tamed. Cool. It can be yeah. tamed, you know. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can sure. understand if you're picking 10, 11, 12, You're like maybe not this guy. And so, yeah. but yeah. you know, the other thing that I love with him, but it just it doesn't translate. It's kind of a bummer. Is he? He has that kind of bully ball instinct to him, and so in, you watch the when you watch him in college, because he's not a big dude. Uh, 
what did he average? Like six, what did he measure? Six three something. Uh, like that? Six three and a half is what they have measured at. Okay, he you know he in college he you know in college that he was he was a small forward basically mm-hmm. uh, at at uh, Tennessee. But like, if he got somebody on him who was smaller or weaker than him, he just ran straight to the block and and he killed guys from the block. And you know I love that so mm-hmm. much. Uh, but it just. How often is that going to happen in the NBA? Yeah. You know, how often are you are they going to be like, yeah, let's post up our our off bench two guard? Um, it just it doesn't yeah. happen a whole lot, but it's cool when he does it though. It's really fun to watch. Yeah. All right. Um, a lot of the comps I'm seeing everywhere. It says not an original thought is Latrell Sprewell. Almost everybody has Latrell Sprewell. So you know I love. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. is that is that your comp or, or do you just <laughs> what, what, what? I see Sprewell. I see J.R. Smith um, on both the positive and negative <laughs> side of things. Um, I see, uh, this one. Hey man, LeBron can get him at 22 and he's got himself the next, (laughs) next JR. For sure. Uh, I see some, some Josh Richardson there too, which is not a, not a positive at this moment, but was a positive a couple years ago. And I, you know, he has like, um, there's a little bit of Isaac Okoro to him Mm -hmm. too. He has, he's, he's less, he's smaller than Okoro and he's not going to be, as wing guard, he's not going to be able to guard wings as well as Okoro did mm-hmm. and will uh, moving forward because he's a little bit smaller and stuff. But he, I think he has more, I think he has more ball sense mm-hmm. than Okoro did last year. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's stay in the S, the future mega conference SEC, and let's go to Cameron Thomas from LSU. He's a freshman uh, measuring at 6'4", 210. Uh, what are some positives and negatives of Cameron? He is, from what I've seen in my research, he is all the way from like 9 to 25. Like, actually, Tankathon has him at 26 right now. And so what do you see in yeah. Cameron Thomas, and can you please explain to me why he is everywhere? <laughs> I mean, we don't use these terms very often because they're super overused in the NBA, uh, especially on NBA Twitter and Instagram. But he's a bucket. I mean, he just is a guy that is, <laughs> like, he's just a born scorer. Um, he's a guy who's going to launch the ball pretty much every time he touches it. And so <laughs> that's obviously very valuable. 1v1 scoring in the NBA is a huge deal. He also does a really good job coming off of movement. Um, he just is a guy that, like, if he can sort of see the rim, then there's a chance he's going to shoot the ball and, and a probably pretty high chance. Yeah. And to your point, he averaged 23 points at LSU. So yeah. 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 I mean, it's really, it's really about, he, he, he is elite at drawing fouls. Like he already has that, that, um, that skill set of, he shot seven and a half free throws a game last year and like baited, a ton of, of fouls. He's going to be very frustrating to guard um, in that way that, that Trey Young is frustrating to guard or James Harden mm-hmm. or Luca or whoever else. Cause you're just like, really dude, like that's not a foul, but you, you got me, you know? Um, he just, he takes a lot of tough shots and that's a super valuable skill in the NBA uh, because, you know, defenses are good and you got to find ways to, to uh, create that way. And, but also, he takes a lot of tough shots. So there's 
I mean, you watch some of the tape. You tell me, did you did you ever see him pass the ball? Like it's it is a it is a he is a one track mind in my opinion. The ball is going up every time he touches it. Yeah, and you know he so LSU actually played Tech this year in like the Big Twelve SEC challenge that they did. And I, I actually was thinking, like, when I was watching that game, I was like, this dude is just chucking every time he touches the ball. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, it's, that's, you know, that's college. So it's that's one thing where the question is, is like, is that going to translate well to the, you know, to the new one? So, yeah, I just. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, great. This is one of those things where, like, are you going to be mad to have a guy who gets buckets on your team? No. So, like, I. Right. But at the same time, it's like, is it is it worth a high pick? Like, Cause like, I guess like that's probably answers why it's uh, you know, it's so all over the place. Cause like, it really is like yeah. every time I pull up something, it's like, you know, where's Cameron Thomas this time. And it's just all over, all over. Yeah, for sure. I feel like this is a guy where some, some guys, especially teams, I, we're not that smart and we don't have the time that, mm-hmm. that, you know, a scouting department does, but like there are guys who, Teams around the league are going to see the same person in a different way. You know, they're going to say this guy can do this and he can't do that. And there will be other teams that say, I actually, I think he can't do this and he can do that. Like, that's just kind of the way that that scouting works. Or at least I think he can do he eventually will be able to Mm -hmm. do this. And and that and or no, he won't. Cam Thomas to me is a guy that if we had the, the 30 scouting reports from the 30 teams around the league, I feel like it would. They would all say the exact same thing. He's a bucket. He is a tough shot creator and maker. Probably. Um, he doesn't pass. He doesn't play defense at all. And some of that is effort, and some of it is is ability. He is not going to help you defensively at all. And I think he's not going to help us as a playmaker. Nor does he want all to help you come defensively. Down to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All that it's going to come down to is. Whatever team takes him, wherever he ends up being, whether it's 9 or 22, 25, whatever, whatever team takes him is is the team, the difference in their scouting report is we believe that we can make him this. We believe that we can utilize him this way that will make him most effective. And to be honest, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's as an off-bench guy or if it's, yeah, he's our shooting guard and we have kind of a pass first point guard. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what what teams would would want to do with him. If it was me personally, there's he's not my cup of tea. There's no world in which I would take mm-hmm. him in the top 15, 17 guys. I would rather have somebody <clears throat> like even like uh, Corey Kispert who I think is pretty much a shooter and not a whole lot else at the NBA level. Than a guy, than this guy, because I just I have a lot of questions about his uh, ability to fit into to a team basketball. I think his teammates are going to legitimately hate him for the first couple of seasons, mm-hmm. and then you're just projecting he'll grow out of it, he'll get better, he'll get some of these fundamentals down, and eventually teams will dig him because he's just going to be a microwave scorer immediately. Yeah. And there's again, there's super value in that. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I just, I would be way more comfortable taking him in the 15 to 22 range than I would 15 to 25, something like that, than I would, you know, top 10, top 12, what, whatever, what have you. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I would typically 
tend to agree because it's just it seems just very wild right now. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, we you mentioned Kispert. We've talked about him on previous episodes, so let's for time's sake let's save him. Jalen Johnson was another name I had down, and I think that he's just all mm-hmm. over the place. So let's just we've talked about him a little bit as well. Uh, a name that hasn't been brought up with us on the air, but we've talked about off the air is a uh, is Kai Jones. He's a six foot ten sophomore from the University of Crap. Um, <laughs> sorry, the University of Texas. Uh, he's a pretty, he's a big, obviously he's six foot 10. Uh, he averaged 8.8 points a game and 4.9 rebounds a game. What are some thoughts on Kai Jones? Some real quick plus minuses and just thoughts. I rewatched his stuff today cause I was trying to figure out kind of where to, where to slot him. Um, and he's just, he's kind of hard cause it's, there's, there's a lot of potential there as a super mobile big man. And then you kind of see some of the weakness mm-hmm. stuff and you're just like, oof, boy, I don't know. The, the the positive to me in terms of his negatives, which is a weird sentence to say, he's only been playing basketball for four yeah. years, I think. Um, and that totally shows in his game. Like he just, everything he does is very raw and a lot of the stuff is just kind of inconsistent. His shot mechanics are inconsistent. His positioning is inconsistent. His like defensive awareness is inconsistent and I that might carry through I don't know that might be ultimately like who he is as a player but I would I would lean towards because the tools are there I would lean towards that's something that we're going to be able to help him with that we're going to be able to coach him Mm -hmm. coach out of him over over time um I don't think that he's like super impactful day one you know I think he's a guy that's going to have to play some G League minutes or Go to a bad team that is able to to give him playing time. I think he makes a ton of sense for the Thunder at sixteen or eighteen. Yeah, I would um, agree. I also think he and, makes sense for the Knicks in some respect, depending on what they do with yeah. free agency. Man, Tibbs will hate him. He will, I just, but he won't. He won't Tibbs play. ain't Tibbs ain't long for the New York world. So I'm <laughs> just you know just putting that out there. But one coach of the year, uh, sure um, did. Okay, but <laughs> yeah, no, I I but I I do I like I like Kai Jones. I think that. If you could get him to, hey man, Alec, from year in year one, we pretty much just want you to be a role man or to sit in the dunker spot, and then in practice we want you to be working on getting that shot consistent. He could be, I think he can be a good ish catch and shoot, especially from the corner kind of shooter. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see him dribble or jab step or do any of that kind of stuff, the, they should find him $500. Like, I'm kind of, I, I really, I'm serious mm-hmm. about that. Like, he should never dribble the ball. If it's a power dribble at the rim, okay, that's it. That's the only time he should ever dribble the ball in a half court. Yeah. Game. But he's fun to watch. I mean, you, you we saw a bit of him at, at UT this year. and like Yeah, I actually really, I enjoyed watching him this year. Uh, yeah, and and knowing, I mean, knowing, because every time you watched a game with him, they would make the comment of he's only been playing for four years. So like knowing like, that stuff, yeah. like it makes me feel even better about him. And I feel like yeah. if you're getting him in the late teens, early twenties, like what do you have to lose right. at that yeah. point? You know? And so I uh, totally yeah. agree. Totally agree. I've seen him a lot with the Hornets and that doesn't make it. Well, I mean, it makes sense to me if the Hornets are willing to, to be a building team. But, but that would also be a good like time if the Hornets are interested in him, so. that, that would be a perfect person to trade back for, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling he doesn't get past Oklahoma city, but I don't know if Oklahoma city does that at 16 or 18, but I, I feel if he's still on the board, 
it seems like that's a guy mm-hmm. that they've if if they have those picks they could trade up sure. so maybe they won't even have the picks but if they're there I feel like he he fits well to the model of what they're trying to do but like he's very Rashawn Holmesy right now but he and that's cool I love Rashawn Holmes so you know that's that's a fun comp the, I do think there is something there in terms of being. A, a pretty decent. I mean, his percentage from three this year was like thirty eight, but it's like really low volume. And um, but I do think that he he projects as a potential shooter a little bit better than than some of the other mobile bigs that we've seen over the years. Yeah, and I just I, I don't know. I I kind this uh, this is so weird because I don't usually say this about UT guys. He's like one of the first UT guys that's coming out that I'm like I want this guy to succeed. Like I want him to do well. Um, <laughs> I really do. So okay, we're. Coming up about, I don't know, on it time-wise, but let's, uh, there is one more name I think I feel like I need to talk about that I haven't yet, and I, it's a name I don't know how to pronounce, so I'm going to do my best. Um, Alperin Singen, Sin, oh, Singen. Uh, he is, I, I honestly did not see a ton on him, um, so you tell me. He is another big from Betsikas, which is a Turkish basketball team, which is by really still really weird to me that there are uh, football soccer teams that had the same name as basketball teams. And, and <laughs> you know, that, that still yeah. kind of catches me off every once in a while, but he's a Turkish he plays for a Turkish team. Uh, he is six foot 10. He's 18 years old, um, 240 pounds. Uh, I've seen him as high as nine on mocks. I've seen him as low as I think I wrote down 17, which is interesting. So um, sin gun, what do you think? I mean, he just, to me, there, there's, there's, there's people out there that really like him a lot. Like I, th- I saw somebody's mock had him like fifth, I think, but that might have been John Hollinger, who is an idiot. So I don't. I mean, um, <laughs> it, it he just is a, is the type of guy that like if he would have come into the league fifteen or twenty years ago, he would be a top three pick. Um, but now it's just really hard to see how somebody who is as post heavy as he is i mean how do they how does that guy impact the game now you know without just being a a target for for other teams he's very skilled especially obviously in the post i mean he's a and he's a he's a load um he kind of has some valanchunas to him down there but he's not nearly as big as valanchunas is and so I mean, he can he can kill you, and he can kill switches and stuff like that. But he's also going to get killed on switches. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think some people project him as a as a as a good shooter potentially, or at least a, an average shooter in the future. But he shot twenty one percent this year against <laughs> yeah. the Turkish competition. Yeah. So it's like I mean, it's not a super and nineteen percent from lead. three is what I have written down. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it just it's he's a fifteen foot and in kind of guy and i i don't necessarily i mean his mechanics aren't terrible so it's not impossible by any means that he'll figure out how to shoot threes it's just not something that i would bet heavily on at this point yeah the thing is where he's, he's certainly in the top 10 or yeah 10 and where he's listed right now like if you're looking at the teams that are looking at him you know the magic make no sense the warriors make no sense the yeah. kings maybe if they need to replace bagley or holmes you know and so like 
<laughs> what what Ryan somewhere is probably about to have an aneurysm and not know what's happening. But like I, <laughs> I I would laugh really hard if this happened. But like the Thunder have been linked to him a couple of times, and man, if the Thunder took him at six, oh my gosh, like <laughs> oh yeah, it would be. no, there's no way that he's at six. He might be a guy at sixteen or eighteen. Yeah, I would say. Okay, let's yeah, so I don't really. What what are your comps on him before we move on to the next guy? Like, I mean, Demontis Sabonis. Yeah, that's the one I've seen everywhere. Not, He's not as fluid as DeMontis is to me. And I don't, I'm not a huge, huge mm-hmm. Sabonis guy. And Sabonis is a really good passer. I don't see this guy as a good passer yet at all. And again, that, that totally can change. And some team, some team <coughs> will say, oh, we can, we can figure out how to, how to make him a good passer. He's a very impatient passer to me right now. And that, as, that's not as big of a deal as the, the, the defensive issues and the, you know, the switchability thing. But it is a pretty big deal because, you really need if a guy's going to be a heavy post player in today's NBA, they really need to be good passers from the post. That's just that's that's kind of the only way that you can the only other way you can utilize him beyond just like okay, cool, we dropped it down to him and he got an eight foot hook shot. Um, they've got to be able to kick it out to the three when the defense comes to him and collapses and all that kind of stuff. And I don't really see that from him at this point. So. In, again, in the 15 to 20 range, cool, no problem, whatever. You just, you're just trying to get guys who can play NBA minutes. You're not necessarily thinking about, is this guy going to help us win the title? You know, mm-hmm. um, It's that kind of thing. I mean, Enos Cantor could be a comp on some levels as well. So think about how often Enos Cantor uh, plays big minutes in January games and then is on the bench when the playoffs start. I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's not – I think that's fairly similar. Okay. Um, all right. We're running up on time. So I have a couple of names written down still, but I, I want to go to you. Like, well, give me give me a name of somebody that we haven't gotten to yet that you just for sure want to talk about. Um, I really, really like Chris Duarte from Okay, Oregon. he's one of the names I, I had written be, down. Um, yeah, I thought he was going to be one of these, like, sleeper. Like, a month ago, I thought. This is my like K or no sorry uh, my Emmanuel quickly this year of mm-hmm. this guy's gonna go is way lower on boards than than he should be um, I really like him now I think he's probably gonna get I, I mean he's probably like he might be the fourteenth pick I mean he he and you know you know like I love college seniors State. college seniors are like yeah. they they have a soft spot for <laughs> I mean, me so yeah I mean he's twenty four yeah. so he's like a real yeah. senior um, or he will be twenty four by the by draft time but like. Elite shooter, I think, super high IQ. He's a volume shooter, and I mean, he knows his role. You know what he's going to give you as soon as he comes into the league. Um, if there was any player that Steve Kerr could use at fourteen, this might be the guy. Oh my god! Like that's yeah, that's sure. what I what I see when I'm looking at him is like if you're you know because if you're not going to trade out of fourteen Warriors, like this should be your pick, even so, though it's a little bit of a yeah. reach. Like, so this is why. For the first, like, three, well, I say three, since the lottery, most, we, we've seen Davian Mitchell linked to the Warriors just at seven more than anything else. It's like, yeah, they're going to take, they're going to take Davian Mitchell because he just, he's, he's a fit and he'll play and all this sort of stuff. And <clears throat> the more I've watched of, like, Chris Duarte and, uh, and Trey Murphy, I, and I think that it probably, they're much more likely to take somebody like James Booknight at seven, who's kind of a, a potential play um, because they're going to just be like, if Davian Mitchell gets to 14, that's cool. And if not, then we got these other guys who are immediate 
contributor type player. If they keep those picks, I kind of expect they go one of those guys, one of those picks is a potential play. This is part of our future. And the other is a, this guy will help us right now. And so, I don't know, Duarte at 14 just makes a ton of sense. But if, if he doesn't get drafted there, worst case scenario, he ends up with the Lakers at 22. And they've got a an immediate, maybe not an immediate starter, but like he immediately comes in and plays 22 minutes and contributes to those guys. So, cool. I like him a lot. Um, but he's not really a sleeper. Anymore. No. Um, I mean, he got invited to the green room, you know. So, that's, there's that. Um, I like Deuce McBride from West Virginia. I think he can play a little bit. Um, I like Bones Highland. He's his name's gotten really hot mm-hmm. with draft circles lately, so that's not really a sleeper. I have a first round grade on Quentin Grimes from. Oh, uh, I love Houston. Quentin Grimes. Yeah, I I have him a lot higher than most people do. That might be the the only guy really on my list who's who I'm pretty high on comparatively. Um, he, I mean, he's just, he's a three and D guy. Every team needs those guys. His, if he's available in the shooters. second round, like yeah. I would be thrilled if, if my team, whoever your team is, would be thrilled if they traded sure. in to get him yeah. somewhere. Cause good grief. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen his name in the first round like at no. all. So I think that there's a really good chance he is a, he's a early second round pick and some team is getting a good one out of that. I mean, he just, he, he does a lot of the things that you want from. Well, you say that Tankathon's got him at twenty-eight to the Sixers, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's a that's a value play right there. Yeah. That's, that would be twenty-five to to thirty-five is kind of his range, and and I think that's that's totally fair. But he also could. I he 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 seems like a type that could fall mm-hmm. too. And I anyway, whoever gets him, I think they're getting a a quality player. Um, versus some of these other guys who are definitely going to go higher, like uh, tr- Trey Mann, although it seems like he maybe is dropping a little bit um, the last like couple of days. But earlier, pretty much every mock had Trey Mann somewhere in like the 20 to 25 range. Zaire Williams is going to go 10 to 25, I think, somewhere in mm-hmm. there. I don't really super get it with him, but he has like the high school pedigree, yeah. so there's that's part of it. Josh Primo is like rising up boards. I don't, I don't totally understand that one either, um, as compared to to some of these other guys. But, um, but yeah, like I, I, I think whoever gets Grimes is getting a good one. I like Isaiah Todd. Have you? Did you? I did. did you like him, I did. G League. Yeah, guy? I. You know, I didn't. I didn't see a ton of tape on him, obviously, because he's a G League guy. He to me is a guy that I'm. I because I think I saw him at. 24 one day on a, on a list. And I was like, okay, if he's at 24, like that's, that'd be a great, mm-hmm. like, cause he, he just, to me, he is like the epitome of like a stretch big who can, you know, also play a little bit of defense. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that I would love to have him there and I'm looking right now. Tankathon. Gosh, I don't even see him on Tankathon. He's gotta be there somewhere, but Tankathon's way off. Yeah. It, he was a guy that, Earlier, like three weeks ago, I think most. Oh my gosh! I saw had him. Is that yeah, they've got forty-eight. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah that's that was, crazy. That was not uncommon. Like three weeks ago, there were a lot of uh, mocks that had him in the the forties range. Now it seems like on most mocks, he's he's come up into the late twenties. And I think that just speaks 30s. to what you have said. Of once you get to the twenties, it's kind of like throw a dart, hope you hit the right one. And so, and that's, yeah. that's how, that's how usually how it is. It's just, it's not out of the ordinary, but yeah, I mean, if yeah. you're, if you're like, 
I mean, I don't know like what his best fit would be, but if you're the Clippers or the Nuggets or the even maybe even the Nets and you see this playmaker out there, like that that might be a great person to throw on your bench, you know. He is another guy. There's there's a bunch and this this is every year, but this year it just really jumped out at me. There are just a ton of dudes on these boards that the thing that's going to separate whether they are very successful in the NBA or not successful in the NBA is just role acceptance. Mm-hmm. If Isaiah Todd, who was one of the top, I think he was he was in the top 10 nationally coming out of high school last year, if he accepts that I'm not an all-star, I'm, I'm definitely not a superstar, but I am a guy who can, who can shoot, who uh, can run the floor really well, who I think has better defensive potential than what he showed in the G League. It just it's like the fundamentals aren't quite there, but I, I think he has some tools that could be useful in that. If he accepts this is my role, he can be I think he can be very, very good at it for a long time. It's just the stuff that gets him into trouble is trying to do too much that he just frankly isn't capable of doing at at this level. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a hard thing for a 19 year old to, to figure out. So if, and there's lots of guys that are like that, like I said, I, you know, Cam Thomas is a guy that I think I don't, he's role acceptance ain't going to be it for him. Yeah. Like he's, he's going to succeed or not succeed based on, can he score at a crazy high level in the NBA, whatever minutes he gets. Mm -hmm. Um, Isaiah Todd to me is more of, I think this guy, if you can just figure out, how to be the fifth man on the floor instead of trying to be the first or second guy on the floor, it it could really it will impact whether he's he's successful or not. But he man, he's that shot is beautiful. It's just that super high, smooth release. I already compared somebody to Richard Lewis, but he's the one that really looks like Richard Lewis on mm-hmm. the floor. Um and he's just I don't know, he's he's somebody that I think I would bet on uh in the last, you know, ten picks of the first yeah. round. Okay, real quick, give me one Second consensus, second round grade guy that that could possibly be a steal of the draft five years from now. Okay, or second, you, you could have a first. You could have a first round grade, but it's, it's a consensus. Like you see him in the second round. I'm gonna give you two names: one who I don't know is gonna succeed, but I really like, and then one guy that I think actually will succeed. So, I'm trying to pick who I. I like. I think David Johnson from Louisville mm-hmm. just needs to go to the G League for a year or two and learn how to be like a true point guard okay. because the skills there are really, really intriguing, and I think that he fits very well as a, an off bench backup point guard guy somewhere for for a long time. But he just he just has to he has to cut basically has to cut down on the turnovers. So he's got to figure out how to how to manage the game a little bit better and then just like a little bit of a tweak to his shot. And I think, I think he could be successful, but I don't, but he is a, he is a guy that has to go to the G league in my, mm-hmm. in my opinion. He's just, it's just, there's a couple things that he's got to figure out. I love Raekwon Gray from uh, Florida state. And I have no idea if he's, I mean, I'm looking, let me look at this consensus board thing. He is 
Oh man, I don't even think he's listed on this. this thing. So I saw him on. I like saw a, him on KOCs yesterday when I was looking. Like, yeah, he's like mid forties, I think, or late thirties on on KOCs. I'm looking at that consensus board thing that uh, Ben Dog twenty eight put out on on Twitter that that took ninety six big boards and uh, and figured out where everybody's like range was. Man, you're a big Florida State guy, aren't you? Uh, take <laughs> I do. Takeathon's got him at Takeathon's got him at 54 yeah. in in the mock yeah. draft. In KOC has him at 49 on their big board. Like, it's totally possible that he literally never plays in the NBA. Um, but if he does, I just think he's going to be an immediate fan favorite. He's <laughs> the comp I had on him is Diet Zion. <laughs> he's like. He's six eight. He just is like a. He's just a. He's a wrecking ball. He he bounces off dudes. He weighs. He's at. He weighs two hundred and eighty pounds, um, but he's super mobile and agile for that. It's it's very, it's very strange. When you see him, you think Craig Smith from Boston College way back mm-hmm. when. Um, but then, when you see him move, you're like, oh, okay. Like he does the Zion thing where he. He gets so low to the ground that he gets his shoulder into you underneath you. And you just like, well, I, there's nothing I can do against this. And um, I don't know. He has some other like he has some skill and there's some stuff that he does really well. And I don't again, I don't know. He may not literally he literally may not get drafted tomorrow and he may not play in the NBA ever. But so I'm not like willing to stake my, <laughs> my reputation on it. But. I think that he will be so fun to watch and so fun to play with that I hope that some team is smart enough to figure out, okay, he isn't for everybody. He's not for every team. We have a structure that could use him in a 15-minute-a-game kind of role, and we can get something out of him. And somebody does it because you think he's going to be so much fun Mm -hmm. to watch. The one person I have that I didn't do a ton of second-round research, but that I watched a little bit in college – is uh, Nashawn Highland I th- from VCU? I, I could see him because yeah, Bones Highland. Yeah, he, he's he's yeah. a he's a bucket. So I could see him going going pretty far. Yeah. Man, no love for he's, uh, gonna, he's gonna, for Alex and Ted Akumpo. <laughs> dude. Okay, <laughs> I mean, the other day I pulled up. I was like, how many brothers does he have? Like you know, I didn't even <laughs> I never even heard of Alex. He's got another one we never heard of. And I pulled up a picture of the brothers. And have you ever seen a picture of Giannis and his brothers? Like yeah. all of all of them, okay. I think I so, don't yeah. know. I think yeah. he's the oldest, but there's a brother named Francis, <laughs> who is. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is so mean. He is a solid foot shorter than everyone in the family, and it's like, oh, poor guy. <laughs> like he's, I mean, and, he, oh, and he's he's terrible. a little pudgier, and like you know, and it's just like, oh man, like either he's got a different dad or he really got screwed in the gene lottery. Cause like Alex and Ted is the, is the second shortest and he's like six foot three. So <laughs> it's just like, Oh my yeah. gosh, I feel awful for <laughs> laughing about that, but it's pretty comical. Um, that's great. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- this, okay. So, I mean, I mean, I'm excited. That's, this is a good deep dive. I think we've gone plenty along. So yeah, <laughs> There's some other fun names that'll get there in the second round or late first. Herb Jones from Alabama is fun. Uh, I think Jeremiah Robinson Earl from from Villanova. Yeah, who love all Villanova mm-hmm. schools. He's going to go earlier than he probably, in my opinion, than he should, just because he's a Villanova mm-hmm. guy and he's just going to be super glue guy type player. Um, There's also Ao to some new. 
Yeah. yeah, I'm. I think I don't like him very much, and I'm very curious to see where he, where he. I don't. I, I don't think um, he's. I, I think he's going to be a pretty pretty high second rounder. But you know, he's. Yeah. You know, he has some success in college that might actually be. You know, that might be sure. great as a second round pick. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's there's several guys that I think, I don't. I mean, this is not a great draft, and like I said, I don't think there's a lot of difference between twenty five and forty. But there. So we'll see. We'll see how how it plays out. But there's. There's uh, guys that can that can help and have some potential and that kind of stuff and it'll be it'll be fun. So we'll be back uh, we'll be back Thursday night. So probably publishing Friday morning ish. Uh, we'll go over as soon as the draft is over. We'll sit down. We'll start recording and uh, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, the the uh, the winners and losers of of draft night, and maybe talk about a million trades. I don't know. Like we're gonna. It's going to be tough to, uh, to, to keep up tomorrow, I think. But uh, we'll, be back. we'll be back very shortly with that uh, draft recap. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, again, we greatly appreciate that. Tell your friends. Bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this. It uh, helps us greatly carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market. And leave us a five-star rating or five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. And we like to read those out at the end of the show. Said we'll be back in a day or two with a full NBA draft recap. And until then, stay hard, Rodney Rogers. <laughs>